A Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, Episode 85. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, psychologist and adaptability coach to entrepreneurs and business leaders. I believe that working on your business is more important than working in your business. If you want to achieve your business goals and dreams without the cost and pain of having to make every mistake yourself, then The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for you. I'm here to help you learn from the lessons of entrepreneurs and business leaders to help you work on yourself and your business so that you can save time, energy, and grow faster. For those of you new to the show, The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai presents three new episodes each week. On Insight Sunday, we dive into the minds of business leaders through insightful guest interviews. On Story Tuesday, we dig deeper with them and learn firsthand from their stories, hard-earned lessons, and experience. On Thrive Thursday, it's just you and me on the couch, where you'll hear scientific research, my thoughts, and tangible tactics to adapt and grow yourself and your business. Grab a proverbial seat and listen up so you can learn from the minds and mistakes of business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. For those of you who don't know, Maurice Hoffman is the founder of the NYC Marketing Academy and the author of Roadmap to Marketing Success. A serial entrepreneur, Maurice is also a customer success specialist known for his innovative drive, cross-functional team leadership, and engineer of achievement, high performance, and success. Maurice also serves as the global vice president of customer success at Open Exchange Inc., also known as, and we will talk about it as OX. Maurice is responsible to guide OX's customers like GoDaddy, Altice, Orange, or TalkTalk towards their highest level of sustainable success. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a six or seven plus figure business and experience a drag or dip in your growth, if you notice diminishing engagement or passion in your business, if you want to eliminate exhaustion and burnout in yourself or your teams, if you sense that you or your company would grow faster and stronger, if you could just pivot efficiently and effectively when circumstances change like they had so much in 2020, then you've got an adaptability problem. Adaptability coaching and consulting will give you and your business the psychology and neuroscience-backed tools to understand and leverage core adaptability skills through the unique 3D adaptation framework. You can learn to harness and leverage core adaptability skills to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to turn tough circumstances, reactions, and exhaustion into energy, excitement, and excellence for you and your company. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching or dryishai.com slash consulting. My Insight Sunday conversation with Maurice is so jam-packed that I just had to share it with you in full, and that meant giving it to you in two parts. Today, Maurice shares his story from being a pre-teen entrepreneur to generate pocket money. 
through joining the army and being involved in psychology operations, to founding multiple companies and rising in the ranks of leadership. On Tuesday, our conversation will continue with Maurice sharing stories and how they shaped his thought process, teaching him to think, engage with, and learn from everyone, and how those experiences have been a core part of his leadership and entrepreneurial endeavors. And now, without further ado, join me in welcoming Maurice Hoffman. Welcome, Maurice. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you so much for grabbing a seat with me on the business couch today. I am really excited for our conversation. And before we were having the podcast, we were chatting a little bit. And it's just amazing. I'm so excited about all the topics, the different parts of your background and the way that you think that I think is going to be so valuable. So I'm also really excited. So by way of intro, on Insight Sunday, we dive into the minds of entrepreneurs and business leaders to uncover insights into how their minds work and extract tangible takeaways to learn and implement. So obviously, in this case, you fit both bills. And I really wanted to just start with your journey. And I wanted to ask you to tell us a little bit about your road to becoming a serial entrepreneur and your many roles and initiatives at OX. Wow. Really, for me, it started because my stepfather, he dealt with antiques. So I grew up with every weekend going out on those markets and buying and selling stuff and going with going to people, interacting with people. And there, which would become my red line, I learned a lot about what it takes to interact with the different personalities. So mm. that's what I always watched. And he kind of taught me this in many ways saying me, ah, this is that guy and that's his mentality and look what I do for him and what I do with him and how you have to react with him. So that's what I started with being a child. And then age 12, actually, is when I started. We were living in a bigger house, a lot of students living there because we kind of managed that house in many ways. And they all had bicycles, right? This was Europe. This was Cologne in the 80s, right? Everybody had bicycles. And so I would repair them and buy them if they didn't use them anymore. They were moving away and they had no use for their bikes anymore. So I'd buy them up, prep them, and then sell them, right? On flea markets again, right? Mm. And so this is really where the entrepreneurial spirit comes from. Because I always had the... I didn't get really pocket money, per se. I always had the approach of, hey, if I needed more money, let me see what I can come up with, right? And work for it. And that's how I started. I eventually got into into dancing, which is funny, right? I got into dancing. Mm. I was part of a group that was very successful. So I started trying to do PR, which if you don't have any clue, it obviously was bound to fail, but that was okay. And then a friend of mine started hosting a TV show and I started doing second camera. And over the weekends, I would lock me into those old TV studios, right? And pay those cutters those editors, right, that still had these huge tapes and everything, give them a case of beer. And if they explain to me how all these things work, right, that's how it started. Eventually, we own TV show, own production, producing the TV show, bringing it into the internet, forming our own company. And that's really where it started, looking for gaps and that we could fill with our product, with brand experience, marketing, right? That's how we called it, which was just better street promotion, just knowing what you're, just knowing how to pull a brand into the audience environment instead of 
having the audience come to the brand, the brand came to the audience and kind of experienced the audience and allowed the audience to experience the brand on their terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the red line. In between somewhere, I went to the army for a few years for psychological operations, psyops, right? And they really learned what I used to do based on gut feeling. I learned a lot of those tools negotiation, mm-hmm. how to lead a conversation, and non-verbal conversation. And more importantly than anything, watch my opposition. Right? In army, it's always opposition, right? It's always mm-hmm. adversarial in one way, right? And yeah, and then I left the army and started with marketing, brought my army approach that was at that point already heavily psychological uh, colored, shaped. Not that I have a degree or anything, but I learned it for three years, three and a half years, you could say I did an advanced internship, <laughs> and but that shaped my approach to marketing, approach to being an agency, or even now my approach to customer success. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's about my user. It's about my customer, my client, my audience. And what can I do so that they like what we put in front of them? That's a good fit which is also the reason why I now go into business analytics, right? Again, understanding my audience better so that I can build up things around them that they then like to purchase, subscribe to, or whatever it is, right? So that's my journey, really. Wow, thank you so much. There's so many pieces there, and I really want to pull out some of these. So I don't know how many or which we'll get to, but at the very beginning, what I heard was that for you, if you wanted something like pocket money, even at the age of 12, it wasn't a matter of going and asking mom and dad for it. It was, how are you going to generate or create? What can you do? What can you learn to do? How can you give something of value in order to get something that you can then exchange for whatever else it was that you wanted? And that was, it really came from those earliest experiences of seeing your stepdad, and then also from having to figure out your own pocket money. If you wanted something, you had to figure out how to make that happen. And it wasn't just go work at a cafe or at a restaurant. It was figure out what you can do. How can you contribute? I think that's so powerful. I wanted to ask a little bit more about that. Was that a particular philosophy you grew up with or... No, I I just realized that if I proactively did something... And even be it doing the yard, doing work around the house or whatever, I could do it on my terms, right? Mm-hmm. I was able to search for something, offer this up, and then be rewarded for it. And instead of waiting for somebody to give me something mm-hmm. that I maybe don't like, if I proactively chose something, I could choose whatever I liked, right? And sometimes I chose the worst of it so that for the one worst, I could then choose three times the easy route afterwards. Mm. But sometimes you just have to go in and get it done and really pull one out for the team kind of, right? And then after that, you can sail on that for a little while. So it was really a very opportunistic way of being lazy (laughs) in many ways, right? It's just then that I knew that I wouldn't get by on doing nothing and not contributing at all. So Mm. I tried to do it on my terms. So I'm hearing so many pieces of that. You're really emphasizing how important it was for you to do it on your terms, not to allow someone else or wait for someone else to dictate what you're supposed to do or when or how you could do that. And that being on your terms is really meaningful. Something else I'm hearing is it's about learning and looking. 
looking for opportunities and then learning your way into doing something. Maybe it's choosing the harder or more difficult or maybe even less desirable thing in order to really experience the upside of whether it's getting better at it or not having to do quite as much later on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I would also really like to hear more about, you mentioned that when you were in PsyOps, you got, you called it your advanced internship. And I'm curious how and what you took from there into the marketing space. If you can speak to a little bit of that. Yeah. Obviously, I'm sure there are details that you can't talk about. No, it's just all harmless. So the first thing that I learned before, I went to Bosnia twice. So I spent overall almost eight or nine months in Bosnia, once in 96 and once in 97. So in both times, what they did for us is they briefed us extensively. They taught us extensively. What is the background of everything that is happening there? What can you expect people tell you, say to you, expect of you, and so on? So right at the beginning, the entire approach there was, at least that's how it looked to me, right? That's what I took away from it. And at the end, that's all that counts from that time, right? Oh, wow. It's not about who am I, what kind of army am I from and whatever. No, they started with the audience. What is the audience expected from you? What can you expect from them? And what kind of reactions will you see? Mm -hmm. And then I know I was like 20, 21. We went to Bosnia and in 96. and Obviously, that was just barely a year after they stopped shooting, right? Mm -hmm. And we went in their helmet, heavy armor and everything. And we had these army radios. In the army, everything is bigger, right? So you Mm -hmm. have these radios that they're like the size of half your chest. And then the antennas, they're like six feet long. Wow. And that radio, we went to a market and we were psyops, right? We were not supposed to engage in anything negative we were there to kind of collect information and engage with people and come up with okay word on the street kind of right and then every time they crackled and popped people went back four five six feet went away from us because that was a threat for them that was army Mm -hmm. again and then we asked them what is the matter and they told us listen guys (laughs) you tell us we were supposed to trust you and you're not trusting us look at you you look like turtles, right? You look like armored turtles standing in front of us, all armed up to here, right? You can barely see anything because there was so much armor and everything going on. Mm. That stuff, besides, it was heavy, right? It was like 60 or 70 pounds of stuff overall, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, we're not going to talk to you like that. What do we know, right? What's going to happen afterwards? So what happened is I wrote this in my report because I wrote the reports for my unit. We were a unit of six. I wrote the reports because I, again, that's my negotiation, right? I didn't like to work on the cars. I like cars, but I really didn't feel like climbing under the car and doing the oil and doing whatever when there's like zero degrees outside in Sarajevo, right? There's a reason why there was the Olympic winter games in 84. And we were there in Mm. winter, right? So it was freezing cold, climbing underneath the car. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not that guy. And the other guys weren't so much into the riding. They had a hard time riding. Mm. So I was like, yeah, let's make a deal here. <laughs> you guys take care of my car. It's just going to be like, you know, one of you has to do my car and, you know, you can rotate. And I write all the reports because that was, that already came easy to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wrote this in a report like, listen, they have trust issues and these are the reasons why and so on. So I sent a report that evening and next morning, new orders came, get rid of all the armor. 
Mm. And I was like, this is astonishing. Like, this is not what I expected from the army. And then at that point, I was only four or five months in the army. Mm-hmm. That's not what people told me. It's like, you write a report and it's not even worth the ink, right? Mm. But no, in, in there, because we were sitting right next to the to the headquarters, like 50 feet away from them. And next morning, orders came in, get rid of the armor. You're still going to have people with you that going to protect you and guard you, kind of. Mm-hmm. But you just says we could no armor at all, no weapons, no visible weapons, just one concealed one mm-hmm. and nothing else, no helmets, nothing. And that changed everything. Mm-hmm. So that's where I started learning like, hey, I got to listen to the audience because they're going to tell me what's going to make me successful. They tell me, right? If I ask them, they're going to tell me. The power of listening. Exactly. The power of listening. It was you listening to them. And even being curious, they say, how are we going to trust you? And you say, yeah. oh, tell me, what is that? Can you help me understand? Or what's getting in the way of that? What do you need? And then you convey that. And what was the response? Well, they listened to you. They listened to your report. Yeah. And that did exactly. make all the difference. So this and other experiences like this, to answer your question, that really shaped my entire approach to not just marketing, but to how do I deal with other people? Hmm. What is my definition of how I deal with other people? And that emphasized, first of all, you take everyone serious. You listen to everyone and you're polite to everyone. Because I had so many experiences where one of it is I was on a radio tour with my captain. And one of the tasks that we had as Psyops, we would bring out little music cassettes, audio cassettes. Mm. I don't know. Some of the younger audience will look at me like I'm weird because they Mm. didn't have the up-to-date music. So mm-hmm. we would bring them little cassettes and every now and then there were PSYOP messages in there, like stay off the lawn because there's mines in there. And this is what the UN or later NATO, what we are doing. This is the program. This is what's happening in your neighborhood. But there were like four songs and then like a 30 second message and then almost like a, a commercial break. But, you know, mm-hmm. and in one of those, I um, stood outside of my car and then a guy came, a Muslim gentleman with his kid and his kid came to me and started talking and you know i was just friendly to him and then he started engaging with me and then i treated him like i would treat everyone else right no mm-hmm. i wasn't shy i wasn't holding back i was curious I asked for his name i asked whether or not i could talk to his kid and if i could give him some candy and you know i treated him with respect because i had learned my lesson that is in certain cultures this is how you do this Mm. And who do you talk to before you do anything else with anybody else in a group? So again, me being 21, he invited me over and I was like, hey, I got to tell my captain that I wasn't adopted or something else, right? (laughs) But that I'm in this cafe and my captain was, okay, I'm coming with. And then we sat there and talked about religion, about Germany's role in so many wars and what we were doing here now and him coming from Egypt supporting his local brothers because he was disappointed of how all it. So all kinds of conversations that a 20 year old (laughs) barely in the army had no business being in. Mm. Right. But somehow I ended up being in that conversation and it was fantastic. Again, I learned so much about being respectful, being honest, but still standing firm on my beliefs, being authentic to myself Mm. because I had a Roman Catholic upbringing. i I went to a school, a private Catholic school with all nuns. So I knew my religion, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was interesting, right? 
And then that conversation went on for three hours. Wow. To a degree where my captain had to send for guards that would pick us up because we weren't allowed to drive single car at night. Mm. But that report I've written, that was on a Friday. I wrote all weekend on that report because it was that long. Wow. And on Monday morning, I had to deliver. But that changed everything. Not for mm. what I did in the army because eventually I left. But that changed everything for me. Just to appreciate the power of talking to somebody. And as you mentioned, listening and being respectful, right? Appreciate everybody for who he is, positives and negatives, but still treating somebody respectful. And that is a rare thing even today, or especially today. It's a mm -hmm. rare thing, right? So that shaped me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that and for diving in and telling these stories. The stories really hammer home how important the points are and how you learned them. And I think they're stories that we can all really make sense of and learn from because what would have happened if you didn't take your armor off, if you didn't stop looking like a turtle, as they called it? You know? <laughs> exactly. Nothing. You know, well, how might that have changed the course of that experience for you and your unit and then also for the intelligence that you could have gathered for what you would have come to know and understand and convey and may have been conveyed across the entire network? Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 